Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. All right, friends, welcome back. I want you to think right now, right this actual second about a parent that you know, because you are gonna wanna share this episode with them. And maybe, who knows, you're gonna wanna share this on social media and tag me and tag my guest, Mary Van Geffen. Mary! <laughs> Thank you, welcome everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so I feel excited like, to I feel have like you here. are a spicy one interviewing a mom of a spicy one who's also a spicy one. So it feels very meta. I'm glad to be and it's here. It's just spicy all the way around, right? Yes. It's perfect. So how would you describe what it is that you do for people? I, well, my mission in life is to help uh, strong-willed children not grow up feeling wrong or broken by equipping their mothers to feel supported and seen and, um, you know, and skill, skill building. So that's kind of what I do. I I used to do it primarily through one-on-one coaching. It's kind of blown up now. And now it's through my signature eight week course, moms of spicy ones. And then a lot of, you know, free content on Instagram. So I'm just trying to help people normalize that they're you know, one in five kids is very different from the others. And, um, it's not you mom, or maybe it is you. Yes. And I didn't ask, I didn't prep you for this, but how did this come about? Did you like see something in your own parenting or watching other people? How did you realize this is something that a lot of moms really needed help with? Mm. Uh, mostly because I figured out that I could not do it. And yeah, who was spicy and I was using all of the yelling and I was getting into hitting and I was out of my depths and um, was feeling just the weight of what did other people think about this and what was my kid and what was me. And then I was remembering that I too was kind of like this and that this was a dance I was very familiar with a mother who was disappointed in the largeness of her child and it was sort of like do I just want to continue this um, generational wounding and just add another uh, person to the mix or do I want to do something about it and and grow from this so it was really just coming to the end of of my tether that I realized the work I needed to do and then coming out of that realizing like I need to be the person that I couldn't find when I was like, Hey, would someone come? Could have pl- tell me when my dog gets too annoying. Up. I mean, give him a quick treat. <laughs> edit this out. This is me. Not, Mom's a spicy dog too, with my spicy dog. Um, <laughs> but I was at this place where I was trying to find somebody who would come and observe her at preschool. So they could see there was something like, I really wanted to clinicalize her and diagnose her Mm -hmm. with something. And it really, it ended up, it was just, she is a, um, intensely feeling has a fierce drive for independence. Isn't afraid to take up space or, or disappoint others has this huge zest for life, which guess what? So do I, there's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. She will be one of the leaders of this country, but it's really hard to parent (laughs) 
especially <laughs> when you believe that parenting means you're in control and you are, um, yes. you know, yes. getting first time compliance. It's a real like identity, um, shaking enterprise. Yeah. I've told you this before. I think that you are exactly who we need. And I feel like there's a generation of parents right now who a lot of us are the first one going, I don't want to just parent like everybody else has. And I see that there's something different to it, but I have no idea what to do. And so, man, there are days that I read, you put out so much fantastic content on Instagram. Guys, you have got to follow her. We'll link her all up in the show notes. But there are days that I look at your content and I just crack up laughing. And it is exactly what I needed that day. There are other days you have had me sobbing because I'm reading the comments, not as a parent, but as a child going, oh, wow, if only I had had someone tell me this, you know, and it's just that perspective shift. I think that so many parents of this generation are looking for. So thank yeah, you on behalf it. of that's so many of us. <laughs> oh, of course. And that has been like a, a thing I didn't plan for. God has his own plans because there is a significant like cadre of folks following me who don't have kids, don't want to have kids, and they just are caring for the little person within them. And they're taking whatever um, encouragement I can provide and they're encouraging themselves and speaking gently and sweetly and allowing big feelings within themselves. And I'm just so excited to see what this next generation what they're going to be like as adults, because they're, there's so much more freedom of expression and, uh, and yet real care for the other that I'm noticing, yeah. at least in my silly teenagers. Yeah, no, I see it too. I see it too. So you talk a lot about spicy ones, how somebody that maybe hasn't followed you doesn't know of this concept. How do you know if you have a spicy one? Okay. I mean, you not, generally do, but <laughs> right. Not to be nasty, but you know, if you have a spicy one, but for those that are like, oh, well, this is just more intellectual. What is it? It is a child who is um, usually highly sensitive, very persistent, kind of inflexible, intense. Um, they're not afraid to negotiate with adults. They, um, everything is sort of larger than it needs to be. They don't rest in contentedness. They can be the Eeyores, but they can also be the biggest celebrators they are going to be the change makers, the free spirits, because they don't fit the box that they're supposed to be in. They sometimes hurt folks unintentionally. Mm -hmm. They kind of default to this brutal honesty and they use powerful words that can wound or delight you. They're kind of the poets to come. They're they are very um, aware of other people's feelings, but they also miss a lot of the social cues when their peers are getting disgruntled. Cue me losing like five friends before I realized sort of the role I was playing um, in friendships. They can be incredibly sweet and loyal and loving, but they're always completely true to themselves. And when they're not, they end up having, you know, health issues. Um, they've got a subversive sense of humor. They misuse toys darkly. So we got to get over the fact that they wrote on the Barbie's face. Um, they're so competitive that they melt down if they lose, or they just refuse to play. They don't play the games that would make them because they're so highly sensitive to shame. They kind of okay. see shame where it's not even happening. So we get weird feedback as a parent, like, oh my gosh, it feels like they're overreacting. I'd say the last couple of things is they can't be consoled physically. Like there's, there's all these wonderful kids. It's like, they, you need a hug. Don't you? If I said that I would have gotten slapped in the face by my six-year-old. Like oh, wow. that just wasn't, um, yeah, that was, that felt like her being cornered like an animal. So I had to give her more space 
and they don't say I love you until they feel it. They're just not trying to please you. And it's maddening. And can I just PSA? My child is amazing and is 18 and has just gotten into all these amazing colleges, has straight A's, does APs, is a fierce like champion of other people's rights. And there's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. And I didn't, um, I guess I think sometimes people who have come from a very conservative environment of, you know, like a child should be seen and not heard. They might have a fear that like, are you, are you not doing enough for this kid? And there's this, it's an art, right? It's not like, oh, this is how you show up for this kid, but it really requires a relationship and knowing when you need to like set a boundary that you do not budge on, knowing that there's going to be a big old um, nuclear fusion around it. And when you say, you know what, I'm going to let this go because it's for the greatest good that I let it go. So it can feel like inconsistent to other people, but there is a whole method behind it. Yeah. And there, you just listed out so many characteristics of a spicy one, but I imagine that it doesn't always present exactly the same, right? Like there could be different personalities, different flavors of a spicy one. Well, not only that, but sometimes what makes the relationship spicy is the mother and the fact that the mother has a really high need for control Mm -hmm. or has some really unexpressed mother wounds of her own. Okay. And so you might describe your child as spicy, but if someone else were with them, they'd be like, oh yeah, it was no big deal. He didn't want to do this. So we did this other thing. Or um, she was hard to get to sleep until I said I would um, do the thing she wanted. You know, So right. if other people don't struggle with this child as much, sometimes it's us. Um, yeah. And not that we're doing anything wrong. It's that we this child is inviting us on this journey to care less about what other people think and to check in more with ourselves and to care for ourselves and participate in the loving because um, martyrs don't do well with spicy ones. It doesn't work out. Yeah. I love that you keep saying the word control. This was something that I learned. I I taught kindergarten for 12 years before I came into ministry. And really it was the best thing that could have happened for my parenting because I had to learn how to let go and all these different personality types. And, you know, like I think a lot of pregnant women, I had all these ideas of what kind of parent I would be. (laughs) And then I had my first child and she's not even my spicy one. But I just remember coming home from the hospital thinking, you know, I was going to be the mom that had her on a schedule and my child would never sleep in my room and never sleep in my bed. And I had all of these things that were going to make her, you know, the perfect daughter and all the whatever. And then she slept Mary on my chest for at least a month, if not longer. And I was like, all rules are out the window. Everything is different. I do whatever she needs. But that I feel like, do you think that's the biggest, hardest thing for parents is to let go of either the control or what they think is right? I think that's it, but it's also letting go of the idol of managing other people's perceptions of us and our kids. Oh, good one. So there's a real dying to, and I'm using all my Christianese because I'm talking, <laughs> but there's a, there's a dying to the part of you that wants other people to think you have it together that that because you did have a plan and you you do want to do it a certain way and now you have this other personality that's not letting you flourish in the way you you did when it was just you and so I think that is a big part that that you're disappointing others you're exposed to judgment whether it's strangers and target 
or um, your own mother being like, you shouldn't let her do that, you know? And so I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah, man, that is so real. So there's got to be a spiritual element to this, to parenting a child that you can't control or a child that doesn't fit into, you know, the box that you want them to. But when you're in it, it's so hard to find, right? So enlighten us. What is what is the spirit, spiritual element to this? Well, and the fact that, um, and I don't, you can delete this out if this feels too <laughs> intense, but we've also been brainwashed a little bit in the church that the spiritual component is like, you need to um, break the will of this child. Oh, um, there's yes. a lot of really yucky Christian parenting books that told us that, um, you know, gave us the three steps for spanking and, mm-hmm. or, um, talked about how out of the heart comes, um, such darkness. And that's a real, um, narrow view of what the yeah. Bible tells us. So yeah. I feel like we, we come into this spiritual journey thinking it's a different spiritual journey. And what it really is, is we finally get to practice and receive unconditional love mm-hmm. and and that in is in itself like a, a spiritual discipline of being like, wow, this child is not earning my love or my affection right now, yet I am going to give it. I am not earning my own love and affection. Like I don't like that I I don't like the mother I am right now. And yet, just like God does, I'm gonna choose to love me and have compassion for me. And it's finding over and over again that voice of the Holy Spirit to see from a bird's eye view of what's going on versus those negative mean inner voices we have that are like, what's wrong with you? A good mother wouldn't, you know? So that to me is the big spiritual journey is realizing you're not in control. It's very much like um, recovery where you kind of learn like, wow, I have, I actually have no control over this um, disease of mine. And we, (laughs) We are in charge of this child, but we don't necessarily have control of them. So what does it look like to love them well and to love the people around them who are in some ways being very um, victimized by their behavior? So yeah, it's it's unconditional love for you and for them. I do, And I think our theology very much directs our parenting. You know, back when I thought I had all of the rules and all of the ways that I would do it, I had for decades a a vision of God that was a disciplinarian. He was waiting to catch me doing the wrong thing. He was waiting to catch me, you know, not doing the right thing. There were consequences. And like, that was the way I viewed God. And it, it, I don't even think I realized that Mary until having this conversation with you, but when that changed, it was the same time that my theology was changing. And I was realizing that God is not just a disciplinarian. He's not just a father trying to catch me when I'm off, but he loves me and he extends grace and forgiveness. And I think when we can understand that concept, it's so much easier than to parent this way. Oh yeah. And can I add to that? Like he created us and then said, it is very good. Yeah. And so God delights in us as we are right now. Like he let, he's like that, that way we get when we see our child's first steps, I feel like is God perennially watching us like, look at her. She's showing up to her <laughs> podcast. She keeps doing it. She put makeup on. He's like nudging the angels with his um, elbow, like check her out. And I, I think we, we are learning that that's how God sees us. And that's how we can see our child and can still hold limits. And I am not sure I'm not here like uns unparenting or something like uh, I, I have a whole course on how to show up and what postures and all that. 
but I, I do, I agree with you. Yeah. How you see God. And I think I saw God as, um, I grew up Catholic before and I, I accepted Jesus or became an evangelical Christian, um, right after nine 11, but okay. growing up to me, God was like the party host who never is actually in the room you're in. And you're like, I think Jesus is here somewhere. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to meet him, but I'm doing all the right things and I'm in his house and I'm sure yeah. he likes me, but kind of like a far away, um, um, you're good. It's all good. And yeah. that's also not the kind of parent you want to be like, you really want to get in there, get your hands dirty, delight yeah. in this child root for this child. And so, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a shift in how I see God as well. The most freeing statement I think maybe, or thought that I ever had was that God made me like I am on purpose, that he created me like this on purpose. So when I can look at my children, my, I have two daughters, when I look at them and one is highly emotional and all the things. And the other one is just why she's just out there. We just never know, you know, and I can look at both of them and all of their silliness and all of their things and go, God did this on purpose. I'm like, okay, then I better figure out how to love this person. Not only just did as he God do it on made purpose, her. right. Not only did he do it on purpose, but they are made in his image. Right. So these unique things about each kid. Cause we, those of us that have more than one child realize how little it has to do with us, you know, but is there an imprint of, of, of they, you know, of like, of what God is and yeah. just an expression of all the, the different creativity. So that's so cool. That's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. All right. Well on Instagram in stories this week, I asked people to send in questions that they had for you. And so here's one of those questions that's like, well, you, you tell them so we don't have to say it. So we, so us as moms don't have to be the ones. But for those maybe non-parents who want to like, and I'm quoting, help redirect our spicy ones, be it people in public or grandparents, what is it that they should know about when they try to help us redirect our kids? Uh, leave us alone, eh? <laughs> um, well, it's a fool's no podcast. Thank you for going. <laughs> It's a fool's errand to think you can um, impact a spicy one's behavior without a relationship. It's yes. all through relationship, right? So if you are the type of grandparent that shows up once a month and sits on the couch and expects them to sit next to you and visit with you, you don't have the relationship. You, you haven't been in the trenches. You haven't earned um, enough of the connection with that child for them not to actually have a very counter um, response to you trying to get in there. And also when you bring any kind of judgment, which is probably where they're coming from, you just heap shame on the parent and the child and nobody does their best work when they're feeling ashamed or judged. So yeah. I think if, if, if somebody were listening, the grandparent were listening, I would say um, that what your child needs, your adult child, the parent needs you to hear them out and just be a sounding board without really giving any advice and to yeah. love on their kid and remind them of what's amazing about their kid. Like that is your role. If you want to equip your daughter or son to be a, a, the best parent they can be. And then why don't you take a class? Why don't you take um, my gentle parenting class so you can get on the same, you can learn because we've learned a lot about humans in the last 30 years. And so there are some new ideas and don't uh, be afraid of them. I, I think 
if 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 we're talking to the parents and what are they supposed to say to their parent or this other person, sure, I would yeah. start with like naming the middle, the the common ground, which is like, you love your grandchild so much. I can feel it. I love how you show up for them. I love that you're here supporting me. And I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for your presence in this child's life. And I sh- I know you see it, but we're choosing a different path than you took. We are, we are on a different path. Doesn't make yours wrong, but I do need you to respect the path we're on. We're deciding that um, a, ch- a child's behavior is communication and that the thing that they least have, I have, which is regulation. And so really these few, first few years, we're just working on co-regulating and helping them come to calm. And uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm not choosing punishment, mom, and I'm not saying that your way was the wrong way. It's just, I'm going in a different way. Can you respect that mom? Yeah. And yeah. just ask and pause and, and have it be a dialogue. And that might look like some limits, like, Hey, I want you to be the grandparent. I want you to be the one who sneaks the treats to them. Or, you know, maybe you don't, maybe it's a whole sugar thing that we need to talk about, but <laughs> I, I, I want you to be the grandparent, which is that loving um, presence, that person that just delights in you. Let me be the parent. And so if you're struggling, let's have a secret code where you can like, um, you know, do something with your finger to let me know that this is feeling out of your comfort zone. And maybe I'll take the child to a separate space, or maybe you can, can step away and take a walk. Let's talk about what's uncomfortable for you. Likely I'm not going to change what I'm doing, but I do want to like, give you the chance to, um, to take care of yourself as well during this. Cause that's kind of the whole point of how you're parenting. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I joked that like, I want, I want you to tell them so that we don't have to, but honestly, that is one of the hardest parts of parenting right now. Again, and I'm just speaking to my generation is there's so many of us who are parenting young kids in front of our parents. And the idea that we're doing it differently, I think often it can come across as like you just said, either they think that we're telling them, you know, passive aggressively or whatever, that they're doing it wrong. And that's not the case, but it is, we, we have to, I guess we have to be the ones that have the conversation and it can go first and say, even though it's weird because we're parenting and then trying to like teach our <laughs> parents, but to well, and I think it, it's a conversation that needs to happen outside yeah. of the flashpoint. So it's like, Hey, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is coming up and I'm so glad we get to be together. And I appreciate you still being the one that hosts. That means so much. I, I want to make you aware that in our family, we don't make the children finished food. And I know that might be triggering to you, mom. So I want to talk about it up front and see how I can support you, but also make sure that you don't feel like you need to step in and try and force my child to finish eating. Cause that's not how our family does it. Yeah. And you're like, you're basically like before you're in it, you're front loading, which is also an amazing thing to do for your child, which is talking mm-hmm. about the behavior you hope to see, and then asking that person, how can I support you in behaving that way? And that really yeah. works for the spicy one. And it's going to work for grandparents as well. <laughs> yes. It's amazing how things don't change sometimes. Right. Well, and I know too, even giving my parents language or in my in-laws, like giving my girl's grandparents language. One of the things that we noticed, um, first when it came to the way that we parent differently was just with hugging. Like we're a very affectionate family. We hug, but sometimes our kids don't want to hug. I mean, that's all of us, right? Have days where I don't want to give you a hug. And so that was tricky for us to navigate through. So then I just started giving them language. 
either something like, Hey, go hug who you want to hug or go say goodbye to who you want to say goodbye to, or go give grandma a hug or a high five and, you know, giving them options. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they do choose the hug more often than not, but at least I think too, it appears as though I'm doing it for my girls, but I also do believe it helps the adults in the room to remember and go, Oh, right. I'm not going to force this. Yes. We're doing this differently. You're saying it out loud and and you might have to say, oh, grandma, did you know in our home, we get to decide for our body, but you've already had that discussion up front so that that parent, that grandparent doesn't feel shamed, but yeah, that's beautiful what you're doing. And, and not only are you doing it for them, but you're also kind of doing it for little you because uh, many of us have had a scenario where we had to do something with our body that we would not have chosen to do and how loving it is to stand in the gap for your young child and say, no, she doesn't, she doesn't have to hug unless she wants to like, you're healing a part of you. Mary, stop. You're going to, I'm like tearing up over here. It's not even emotion. What's happening? No, no, it's not even that specific instance. I'm a hugger. I'll hug everybody. But every time that you, because I just go into these conversations going like my parents and my kids. And I always forget that little Kristen is part of this. And every time you bring that into the conversation, it just feels so tender and healing and I just don't know how else to explain it. So just thank you for that <laughs> reminder. Yeah, lovely. All right. So sometimes as many tools and conversations and things as we can have, right? Sometimes it is inevitable that we end up leaving our kids in the care of other people when we can't really control what's going to happen or what the response will be when we're not there. Let's say we have to go out of town or something happens. Is there a way that we can prepare our kids to be under the authority of somebody who parents differently than we do? Um, That's a big old question. I almost want Mm -hmm. more um, examples, but I will say that, I mean, you're modeling all along how you handle authority in your life. So they're watching that. Um, So uh, like, are we talking about young children or are we talking about teenagers? What, what, what development? I think there's all, I think there can be all kinds of things. Um, let's say at my house, I don't know, I should have came up with an example. They're allowed to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's a good example. Here's a great example. My youngest, uh, it's allowed to go to her room. I mean, they both are, but really it's my youngest that takes advantage. If she's upset, she can scream. She can throw her pillows. She can kick the floor. I mean, she can just have at it and do what she needs to do in her room when she needs to calm down or have a meltdown or just get it out. That's not necessarily the case for other house rules at other places, Mm. but this is not an example of, Hey, at such and such's house, we don't do this because when she's in that state, there's no reasoning with her, you know, and all she knows is this, this is my coping strategy and I'm allowed to do this. And I know I won't get in trouble. If she's then going to spend a week somewhere where there's well, a good chance she's going to need to do that. There's yeah. a good chance. There's a few things working in our favor. And one of them is <laughs> masking. One of them is masking that sometimes people, spicy ones can hold it together in other environments yeah. and then they fall apart when they're back with us. Yeah. So yeah. that may happen. Um, but it's also in that instance up front talking about all the scenarios. Like, what do you think you'll do if this happens? Or what would be a good way to handle this? And like having, a like if she can't, I mean- she needs to have a space she can go to while she's staying with them, right? In that case. Right. So it would be naming that space and 
maybe it helps to kind of write it out. Like younger kids love like a, um, kind of a picture book. Like you're going to grandma's at grandma's. We don't play with the yard yadro, remember? <laughs> so we stay out of this room. Where do we play? And you're writing it out. So going over the rules with this person and normalizing that every family has different rules and some rules are non-negotiable. Nobody gets to touch you where your bathing suit is, right? You know, or whatever yeah, that is, you know, there's house rules and then there's um, body safety rules. And yeah. um, we're kind of butting up against that awful um, truth that you are in charge, but you're not in control. I mean, many people are like, how do I get my child to behave at preschool? Well, you're not at preschool. Right. So it actually frustrates me when the school is like, hey, he's not listening. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm not there. And I don't think he's going to listen a lot more when I'm there. So, but you, I mean, there as a teacher of kindergarten, you know, too, like it is really discombobulating when you have, you know, one spicy one in a group of 25, like yeah. most kids, the peer pressure, everybody moves and goes and does something. This kid doesn't. So again, and I would say this for the teacher, and I would say this for this, this person that's going to watch this child is, oh my gosh, they do really well with leadership opportunities. Like if mm. you say, oh, I want you to sit right next to me here because you'll be grading this paper, or I want you to be the one who is the line leader. Can you do that? Like telling, getting this young kid to use their amazing leadership skills for good will be powerful. Um, I think the last thing I would say about your situation of getting them ready to be under somebody else's supervision is front-loading, just talking up front about your expectations. Um, you will have to, you know, ask politely and, um, but you, but you may find you can do all this and there's still some big old blow up because your kid doesn't have the, the brain power yet to keep it together. And then the grandparents say, we can't do this, not with this child. And I know so many families that have gone through that phase and they grow out of it. Nobody, yeah. nobody wanted to watch my little spicy one and now they cannot get enough of her. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I gave very good advice for that one. No, you did. It's fantastic. I even think the idea of front-loading strategies for the caregiver, you know, Hey, if she starts crying, ask her to start naming all the pink things in the room. And, and if distraction is a good one, I think even those kind of things too can help um, support in those moments. Yeah. And maybe explaining to them like a child who's looking for proprioceptive input, like they would be great if you would roll on the floor over top their body before yeah. bedtime, like it just giving them a few concrete things they can do to help this child's body regulate would be great yeah. too. Yeah. So your focus is, is generally on the spicy one, but like you just mentioned, even with the teacher example, you know, there are a lot of families that have multiple children. So what about the other child, the other children, how can we help them to understand that their sibling is unique and maybe is going to be parented differently than they are? Mm. I recently heard um, that sibling called the glass child and it broke my heart because yeah, they I don't know that I like that. <laughs> I know they basically can feel like you see right through them because you're always looking at the problem child. You're always dealing with this, with the uh, storm in the room. So you don't notice the sunny beach, you know? Yeah. Um, so being aware of that dynamic that the squeaky wheel gets the grease and we may yeah. be um, bringing all of our anxiety and energy to the spicy one. And that can look like a form of love to 
the, I call them the mild child. Um, you know, nobody's all are one of any of these. Sure. I think one thing we can do is we can, um, you know, a glass child doesn't want to be invisible. They want you to see them. So spending time with them, naming, helping them name some of the feelings, like it must be frustrated, frustrating to have your sister cry for 20 minutes and make you late to your basketball practice. I wonder what that's like for you. Yeah. I don't like it. And then being okay that they're going to say some negative things about their siblings. And it's way better that they say them to you and you say, I get it. I could, I could see that versus some of us love to gaslight our children and say, no, 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 no. That's your best friend. No, you love your brother, right? Like that doesn't help anybody. You want to be their safe space. Yes. Their safe space. And I kind of like thinking of it as like popping a zit. You want to all that pus out <laughs> and the pus is, I can't stand this person who ambushes every family vacation. Tell me more. Tell me what that's like for you. You're squ- I'm, you can't see me listeners, <laughs> but I'm squishing my fingers together and grossing out Kristen. Um, so letting them talk, naming some of the feelings they might be too mild to name. Like my dear Enneagram nine son, who's just like, yeah, I'm good. And it's like, are you? Cause that was a lot. Like, <laughs> he, he has witnessed a lot. Um, also having special time with just you and your mild child where yes. you say, I just, just want it to be the two of us. Let's go. And then, and being really intentional about that once a week. Um, uh, and it can be 15 to 20 minutes, but especially if they know it's coming, they're kind of, they know that they matter enough for you to have named that it's happening. And it might mean you're getting a babysitter or um, spicy ones watching a movie, you know, but setting aside that time. And then when the S hits the fan and your spicy one is having a big old meltdown that feels, if not violent, at least emotionally kind of um, uh, upsetting to be a part of, you can say, oh, hold on a second. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to help so-and-so head out to the room. Why don't you come sit out here? And then you're staying calm because what's worse than having a spicy one for a sibling is having a mom who loses it when the spicy one acts out. So you can do so much good by you staying calm and sturdy. You've seen it before. You'll see it again. Why don't you step out here? Oh, she's throwing the paperweight. That's okay. We'll be out in just a second. Like fake it till you make it because it helps that child feel safe. Yeah. Okay. So I know that there are moms listening right now who are like, that sounds great, but how am I supposed to stay calm? Because there is a certain point that you hit and you boil over. And I know that you have a whole calm class. Is that right? Yes. But do you have a tip? Do you have like one tip that, that they can walk away with of like, this is think of this or do this when you are about to lose your mind. Yes. I'm going to teach you a French word. Okay. Le pause, which just means the pause. I want you to, as much as we can lengthen out the time between the stimulus of them acting crazy, of us feeling like a failure and our response, the more time we have to let our body get back to homeostasis. So pausing, telling yourself, this is not an emergency because your body thinks it is. It start, it's, it's sending out all the warning signs. So pausing and realizing like, it's not important that I get to them right away or that I try and stop this. I'm just going to give myself like a good, I want you to give yourself, I'm looking for 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 seconds can change the course of your family. If you can take a moment to say, 
I'm going to breathe out, um, you know, 10 times in 30 seconds, even though it feels like there's a war around me. Like I said, it's happened before. It's going to happen again. Nobody's dying. And I mean, unless somebody's running out into a street, our body tells us a lot that, that we're in an emergency when we're not. So yeah. just pausing. That's what I yeah. want you to practice. We instituted at our house and this is only for a season and we haven't needed to do it since. But when my kids were, I don't know, I guess they were like late toddlers. Um, we timeouts at our house were not a punishment, but a timeout meant I'm going to my room to do whatever I need to do to calm down. And mommy would have timeouts as well. And there was a time when it would be the three of us, me and the two girls, you know, my Peter husband was at work or whatever. And I'm like, I just remember like, I'm going to lose it. Everybody gets a timeout me included. And I would just go in and shut the door and like whatever I needed to do for a couple of minutes until I could breathe and then go back out there. And that, they just kind of learned, this is something that we all do. And guess what? Mom needs it too, because I'm also going to respond in a way that I'm going to regret or is not kind and loving. If I don't get it out of my body, just the same way that you have to get your ish out of your body, you know? Yeah. You're describing a sacred pause. And it's going to look different for each person. For some of us, if we tried to go to our room, the spicy one would follow. And so Uh, for that person, go ahead and get down on the ground, on your knees, put your head to the ground, put your hand, like you're in the crash position and just start moaning. I'm serious. Or start, start, um, because that's really actually good for your nervous system is to like, everything starts vibrating. So either it's like, um, or okay. you can boo and just make a sound and your spicy one might climb up on your back or try to stick their face into the little sound cave you've created, but respect that you're, that's what your body might need less stimulation yeah. and just take that pause. And yeah, it's a good thing, even though it might look, if there were a movie of your life, it doesn't, it's like, what is she doing? She's not doing anything. It, our being is way more important to our children than what we do. Yeah. Well, and let's even circle back to the beginning where you said, you know, we worry so much about what other people think. I think even in moments where we are alone with our kids, there's still that voice going, what are you doing? That judgmental, you know, voice of the outside, like, what are you doing? You're doing this wrong. This doesn't look right. And so I think it's just even back again to that and going like, that's not real. And it doesn't matter. You know, it's not real. And like, and again, like, let me check in with what does the Holy Spirit say? If, if Jesus were holding my hand while one kid is screaming and the other's beginning to cry from sort of fear and overwhelm. Yeah. And Jesus were here holding my hand. What would he say? He definitely would not say, you're not a good mom. What's wrong with you? He would start crying too, because right. he's a big weeper. And he would be like, this is hard. Uh-huh. And he would hug you and you guys would start laughing about it. Like yeah. it, it's, it's really intense and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to start picturing Jesus now and just being like, what did you do? Why did you give me this child? But that I love so very dearly. And yeah, I can just, that would like throw me into fits. So, (laughs) uh, Mary, how can people work with you more if they have listened to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I need more of this. How can they work with you? Well, a good starting place is to take calm class. It's 49 bucks. It's, um, one hour and it just helps you figure out a calm down recipe because everybody has a different body, has a different nervous system, has a different background. And so it's just a, a good space. Cause I really believe to be the parent you want to be, you have to be able to be calm, kind, and firm. And I have yeah. a one hour class for each of those just to kind of get you started in that direction. Cause they don't necessarily come naturally 
especially if you weren't parented by somebody who found that to be important or was equipped to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll link all of those up in the scroll in the scroll notes in the show notes. So just scroll down, guys, and they'll all be there. Mary, thank you so so much. This has been a delight. It's been so fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> Let's do it. I told you, you would laugh and cry in a conversation with Mary Van Geffen. And if you did not do either or both, then I don't think you were listening well enough. Definitely scroll down below and you can learn more about Mary's three classes about how to be calm, how to be kind, and how to be firm. Also, I did find out that she's potentially doing something special for Mother's Day. So be sure to be on the lookout for that as well. Friends, thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate your commitment to listening, to sharing, to giving us feedback. If you would love to leave a review, we would love to read it so much. Really more than anything, you are our voices. You are our best marketing team. So the more that you tell people to listen to the Becoming Church podcast, the more that it happens and the more that we can get guests and people that you really wanna hear from in these conversations. We are so, so grateful. Thanks for being here.